You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's with Mountain Dew? Mountain Dew is like a zipline of incredible flavor directly into your brain. Mountain Dew is like getting punched in the mouth with pure neon refreshment that creates a neural explosion sending flavor shards of electric brain pulses into your very core of being. Okay, maybe that's a little over the top, but you get the idea. The fact is, the mind-bending challenge of describing the taste of Mountain Dew is way harder than just experiencing it. That, of course, is easy. Just grab a nice cold dew, crack it open, and toss them back. Mountain Dew. Do the dew. What's with Mountain Dew? Mountain Dew is like a zipline of incredible flavor directly into your brain. Mountain Dew is like getting punched in the mouth with pure neon refreshment that creates a neural explosion sending flavor shards of electric brain pulses into your very core of being. Okay, maybe that's a little over the top, but you get the idea. The fact is, the mind-bending challenge of describing the taste of Mountain Dew is way harder than just experiencing it. That, of course, is easy. Just grab a nice cold dew, crack it open, and toss them back. Mountain Dew. Do the do. Dispensing cannabis business knowledge beyond a million square feet of cultivation space, CannabisRadio.com proudly presents Blunt Business, harvested by Strainwise Consulting. Together, we will navigate the challenges and opportunities of one of the most profitable industries on earth. Join us each episode to hear our weekly roundtables and interviews with industry professionals. Now, let's delve into some blunt business with your host, Sean Eubanks. Thanks for joining us and welcome to Blunt Business. I'm your host, Sean Eubanks, Vice President of Strainwise Consulting. And on our show today, we have Tim Cullen, CEO of Colorado Harvest Company. Colorado Harvest Company produces and sells its own naturally grown cannabis for adult medicinal and recreational use. The Denver, Colorado-based company was the first to commission an independent economic impact study of its business and has since become an industry model for financial transparency. Tim Cullen, CEO, is one of the Colorado's most knowledgeable cannabis authorities by nature of his years of diverse industry experience, formal education and training, in addition to public efforts to support legal compliance, industry involvement, community philanthropy, and thoughtful media commentary. Tim Cullen is a real-life Breaking Bad success story. He is a former high school biology teacher who turned to cultivating cannabis to remedy Crohn's disease that ailed both him and his father. He opened Colorado uh, Harvest Company as a wholesale operation in 2009. The arrival of House Bill 1284 in 2010, which required vertical integration of cannabis retail and production facilities, set things in motion for Colorado Harvest Company to enter the retail world. 
This new pursuit combined Tim's love of science with an alternative to the conventional medications prescribed for Crohn's. After years of hands-on experience growing cannabis, Tim is an expert in botany, production, nutrient cycles, and cultivation techniques. On the journey to become one of the most successful pioneers in the cannabis industry, Tim acquired a wealth of knowledge, a mindful legal perspective, precise compliance experience, and expertise managing detailed product inventory tracking and controls. After receiving two recreational retail licenses, Colorado Harvest Company opened its doors to 1,500 people that first day in early 2014. With three locations and 80 employees now, Cullen oversees the production of more than 700 pounds of high-quality natural cannabis each month. Colorado Harvest Company's perfect test resorts lead to conversations with the Department of Agriculture officials. Tim is now a member of the Colorado Department of Agriculture's newly formed private advisory committee to help cannabis producers gain insight into safe cultivation practices. Welcome to the show, Tim. Well, thanks so much for having me. After an introduction like that, I'm, I'm not even sure I have much to answer. Uh, that was that was impressive. You know, I blame you for being so accomplished, right? I had so much to say, and there's so much history there. So congratulations on your success, first and foremost, and it, it is truly a pleasure to have you on the show. Well, thanks. It's my pleasure to be here. I'm happy to spread the good word, so... Yeah, okay, so so diving into this, um, with your, you know, I, I love the reason for you getting in the industry, your father and your your Crohn's disease. Um, tell me, um, in regards to that, what what protocol you're using to treat that, and and how is that working out for you? Sure. So as you know, I was uh, my father was first diagnosed with Crohn's disease, and he talked to me about getting a medical card for himself, and he, you know, we chatted a little bit about it, but he's a He's a former Vietnam veteran. He grew up in the '60s. He was no uh, no stranger to marijuana through his through his growing up. And so when he told me he got his his card from the state of Colorado, I was I was not shocked. And um, I talked to him a little bit about it, and he said it was helping him out, and and it just sort of stayed right there. And and about uh, a year and a half later, I was diagnosed with it also. So I spoke to him a lot more about it at that point, and um, he told me what was what was helping him and what was working out. And I looked into the the medical marijuana program Colorado had in place at that point too. And it, I learned really quickly that you were allowed to cultivate your own plants. You were allowed to combine cards together to cultivate more plants. And so I spoke to him about my my idea, which was. Um, I thought I could probably grow these plants also. And so um, he signed me over as his caregiver and I cleared out some space in my basement and really started this, this whole process at that point in time, obviously with no knowledge of what was, what it was all going to lead to. But um, over the course of a few years, I got, I got pretty good at the cultivation side of it. And it was just for he and I in personal use and we'd make edibles out of it and I'd give him half of it and it, and it, it worked out really well. But in hindsight, it was this perfect little laboratory to test out nutrients and lighting systems and cooling and pest control and all the, all these different various aspects of cannabis production. And then, um, and then I had an opportunity to lease a warehouse. And so I took that experience that I had in this very small grow and, and tried to apply that to a warehouse. And, uh, it is a really harsh learning curve as I'm sure, you know, it's, it's really not the same, same animal at all. And so, uh, 
there was there was still a lot to know along those lines, but that was the origins of Colorado Harvest Company, and I I look back at that experience and I sort of shudder if I if I knew what I know now and took what I had then, I'm not sure I would have been quite as bold, but it seems to have all worked out. So um, so I'm just going to go with it now. As they say, fortune favors the bold there. Is there a strain that you recommend for Crohn's disease for consumption and, and what types of consumption are you, are you smoking to treat that or is there a different way that you prefer to consume? Sure, great question. So I, I try to keep it pretty simple. For, for me, even after all these years, a heavy indica strain still knocks me out on the couch and a, a strong sativa still makes me paranoid. So um, I've had to go with what works for my head as well as for my gut. So I'm kind of a 50-50 hybrid guy. I think it's sort of the best of both worlds. And so it's it's a really straightforward program. I take I take a, a pill that I'm prescribed by my doctor in the morning and in the evening. And when I take that evening pill, I also take 10 grams of of an edible, and I I hardly feel the effects of it at all. It helps me sleep a little bit, but I have not had a Crohn's flare up in going on four years here. It'll be four years next month. So. Um, so it doesn't seem to be as much of a strain-specific thing as much as a consistent thing. If I just stick to that program, I don't have any issues. If I vary from that program, which I did four years ago, um, I, I start to have issues with it. So it's, um, it's, it's one of those things that you just have to kind of settle in for the long haul because it's a, it's a lifetime of dealing with it. And thankfully I have it under control and I'm optimistic. Other people could have that same level of success if they can have access to, to good medicine like that. And then, and then be consistent taking it. My father is on a really similar program to that and has had very similar results. He has almost no issues with it. And, um, he's just consistent about taking, taking the medicine and the cannabis and, and it gets him by. So, I, now cannabis is also recreationally legal in Colorado, so I, I, I have to decide whether I'm using it recreationally or, or medically, but I'm, I'm religious about the medical and enthusiastic about the recreational. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. So you were a high school biology teacher when you got in this industry and you, know, you took us, but were you, um, did you get any pushback from other teachers? Was that received? Did you have any conversations along the way or did you pay any mind to uh, maybe some skeptics in the very beginning? Oh, I, I, I knew it had potential to be controversial. So, um, how it really happened was on, uh, on a summer break, I, um, I started looking at warehouse spaces, um, in, in Denver, particularly where, um, retail stores, um, medical cannabis centers starting to open and have storefronts and signs and employees. And so I, I, I started checking those out because initially amendment 20 that allowed for medical use in Colorado didn't, didn't really support that retail model. It was home grow, help your friend out, help yourself out sort of a situation. And when people started to expand and push that envelope into, into retail stores, I, I started to go check that out. And one thing I realized almost immediately was that almost every store I went into had with backpacks, 
shop their wares and sell product into the stores than they had customers. And right away, I thought, that what, what a crazy business model. Why is there not a, a larger production facility and you could set up a contract with these guys and then they don't have to deal with people coming in off the street? And so I started looking around at warehouse space, and in 2009, there was the, the recession was going on. There was a lot of empty, empty buildings and vacant space around, and, and part of the trick at the beginning was just finding a landlord who was okay with the idea of, of marijuana production in a building that they owned, and I, I, I found my uniform, this woman who, who believed in it and, and was willing to give me a willing to give me some reasonable terms on a lease so I could get it, I could get it all set up. And so, um, I actually went on a trip that summer with my wife to Australia and we rented a, a camper van and we, we traveled up the whole East coast of Australia. And one night I, I woke up in the middle of the night and I, and, uh, I was sitting at the table in the camper van. My wife was asleep and she woke up she asked me what I was doing. I said, I'm stressing out. I'm trying to envision what my life is going to look like when we get home, which is the original plan was to keep my day job as a teacher. And then, um, high school starts early, but it gets out early also. So I could, uh, I could work, I could work during the day and have that steady income. And then in the afternoon, get over to the warehouse and work on the build out until, I don't know, 10, 10, 30, 11 o'clock, get home, get up at five 30 and do it all again. And then still have my weekends open to work at the warehouse. And I was just like, I just can't envision that as my life moving forward for very long. It's just, it's just all work. And, um, and that was her idea actually right there on the spot. She said, well, that sounds like a terrible plan. I think you need to jump in with both feet if you're really going to do this. And, um, she gave me her permission and and her blessing more importantly to quit my job and uh and really try to do this so when we got back from australia um we finished the lease negotiation so i actually drove to the lease negotiation with a letter of resignation in my hand signed the lease drove over to the school which was a a funny experience in hindsight too because it was summertime so there's really no one there. They're just running a skeleton crew and there was no one to resign to. So I ended up having to talk with the principal secretary, who was a, a beautiful, a beautiful soul that I had known for a long time. And I explained that, um, that I was, I was resigning and I needed to give this to someone. She was the only person to give it to. So I resigned from my job and then I drove over to uh, golden Colorado and took both my parents out to lunch and told them I've, I quit my job. I've signed a lease on this warehouse and I'm, I'm going to start this new business. And I thought my father was going to fall out of his chair. And my mother was just like, I cannot believe that you're, you're doing all this. And it was really more from their perspective, a concern about safety and how you know federal rules were and how the state rules were changing and more concern that, that I would get in trouble rather than, um, the fact that I was, I was going to start this cannabis company. And so, um, that was, uh, that all happened in one day. And then, and then, uh, two days later I had access to the building and, and started, started construction and building it out and committed to that as my full-time job. And then, you know, the, the plant production cycle takes a few months. So it took a, a little bit of time to, to get to harvest. And then, and then it was really off to the races and we were able to grow organically in terms of being able to fund 
the rest of the build at and um, and get to market. And then it wasn't until um, House Bill 1284 passed in 2010. And the biggest change at that point for the business was looking at the impact that the vertical mandate in, and vertical integration was going to have on the company because I I had a, a warehouse and production, but I had no no retail outlet. And House Bill 1284 required that if you have a warehouse, you are going to have to have a retail store. And if you have a retail store, you're going to have to have a warehouse. And that started this uh, long series of lunch meetings with all these hilarious characters. And I finally came home and I told my wife, I think I can't find anyone who I'm interested in going into business with. And um, it was it was at that point, just a couple days later, that I met my current business partner, Ralph Morgan, who had a busy retail store over on uh, South Broadway, right in the heart of the Green Mile, and, and a very undersized grow. And here I was with this big grow and no retail store. And so we were both puzzle pieces that just fit together business-wise, but we're also puzzle pieces that fit together in many more ways than that in the sense that... Um, Ralph is married, has has children, shows up to work every day, is a hard worker, is dedicated to to success, and and we just had a lot of alignment um, philosophically in business and philosophically in life, and it just couldn't have been a better timing in in terms of of when we were able to come together and we're we're still business partners and have been able to continue to expand Colorado Harvest Company and now Ralph spends his time down at. Uh, at Open Vape as the CEO down there and represents me while I spend my time at Colorado Harvest Company as the CEO and represent him down here. So we've divided our labor. We work in different areas, but we've been able to um, we've been able to to grow a couple really successful companies together. Very successful, and you have a unique approach also, and just a unique insight into the school system. Can you talk a little bit about? I mean, big farmers president presence and what you, what you saw while you were in there. Are there anything that concerns you? Are you hopeful in the future that maybe a combination of of, of pharmaceutical companies and cannabis in some sort? Um, I mean, talk about the the amount of prescriptions and things, or, or anything that might concern you as far as kids go. Well, sure. I, I I think it is at this point. It it is it is a touchy subject, and, and doctors are are there to help people out, and I think really in their hearts want to find the the right answer for every single patient. Um, that being said, I think they're also very skeptical about about what products actually look like and the optics of them. I don't think you're going to find a doctor who thinks you should start smoking anything um, or that or that you should be eating half a brownie every night before you go to to sleep but with the with legalization and with the with the innovation that's come from cannabis companies we're getting toward more toward products that I think physicians are more um, more comfortable more comfortable recommending to patients things like um like transdermal patches or sublingual tablets or um, even some forms of edibles, but the the dosing and consistency is so much better that I think I, I think you will you will continue to see growth in in that side of it. But I think there's another side to this whole the whole medical recreational thing too. And um, I've talked to some people who don't like this idea, but I, I think it is it is coming, and that's the idea that 
cannabis cannot continue to be medical and recreational. There's no other products that enjoy being in both of those categories. Your doctor is never going to say Xanax will help you with your anxiety, but if you take two of them on Friday night, they're also really fun to hang out on. So um, <laughs> marijuana right. is going to have to make make that distinction at some point too. Is it medical or is it recreational? And I, I think moving forward, it's going to make sense that some of the more medical products end up controlled by by big pharma and pharmaceutical companies that can produce them and market them and, and get them out, um, which may not necessarily be a terrible thing in the long run. It's, it's just more of that acceptance into mainstream society. But I think recreational cannabis is going to, and does right now, look, look a lot like... Um, like alcohol sales in Colorado, you can walk into the store if you're 21. You can shop. You can you can pick out products that you want. You have access to to concentrates and edibles and flour and and a lot of choices in those categories. And you can you can take what you will and and go home with it. But I've also been interested to in, interesting to watch the the conversations that happen on on the recreational sales floor because so many of them are asking the same questions that the medical medical folks are asking. They're looking for help with sleep or, or relief of a specific ailment or um, a way to treat a, a, a sports injury or they're, they just don't want to be part of the medical marijuana program. They don't want to give their name to the state. They don't want to be on the registry. They, they just don't want to be associated with it on paper in that sense. But they, they still are using marijuana for all the same reasons that, uh, that, that a lot of the medical folks are using it for. Um, and I was, I was really surprised to see that. It's, it's been an interesting development. We need to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll be rejoined by Tim Cullen, CEO of Colorado Harvest Company. During the break, check out their website, coloradoharvestcompany.com. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. Are you disturbed by the prescription medication commercials on television and their endless list of side effects? They go on and on and you end up having to take multiple pills to counteract the problems caused by the first pill. It never ends. Have you looked into CBD as a more natural option? At Saturn Ranch, we produce all-natural CBD topicals and THC-infused edibles. Premium lab-tested hemp-derived CBD is the most important ingredient in our products. From topical bombs, salt scrubs, bath-soaking salts to tinctures and edibles, you're sure to find something to help. Family-owned and operated, we at Saturn Ranch believe in and use our products daily. Don't put anything on your body that you wouldn't put in your body. SaturnRanch.com Strainwise Consulting is the most sought-after consulting company for cannabis business applications and management contracts. We consulted on the first recreational license in the world and have had an over 95% success rate on applications submitted. The industry is growing at such an exponential rate that building a powerful and lasting cannabis business is a number one priority. Here's Strainwise's Sean Eubanks. In our first five years, we branded and supported nine medical and recreational marijuana dispensaries and approximately 160,000 square feet of sophisticated and efficient product cultivation. Strainwise Consulting has the experience and expertise to guide you through the process. The next generation of vaporizers has arrived. Vuber vaporizers are blazing the way with unparalleled technology for oil, concentrate, or dry flower pens. 
providing unsurpassed customer service and expert craftsmanship, Vuber Vaporizers use cutting-edge technology, providing a power-packed, smoother vapor with a lifetime guarantee. Experience vaporizing the way it was meant to be, the Vuber way. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm your host, Sean Eubanks, Vice President of Strainwise Consulting, and we've been talking to Tim Cullen, CEO of Colorado Harvest Company. Welcome back, Tim. Thank you, Sean. Happy to be back. You're all over the news, um, articles all over all over the web for Colorado Harvest Company. Um, one of the things you mentioned in 2014, um, you said the only thing the company wasn't fully prepared for was the sheer volume of people who came in seeking recreational cannabis. Um, talk about that and, and those first couple of days and how, I mean, not you particularly, but the industry itself just wasn't ready for the, the sheer volume of people. Sure. So, so the day that the city of Denver started to accept licenses, we turned in our applications and what that equated to was being, was being given two of the first 12 licenses that the city of Denver issued. And so on. January 1st, 2014, we were ready to open up for recreational sales mentally, but our, our, the physical constraints in the store were not taken care of. And that was that we were really set up to be a medical marijuana center that had, you know, a point of sale and a, a few employees. And we were geared up to have two and three people trick day. And that morning we had, we literally had 1500 people show up at 8 AM ready to go. And, it, it, we just couldn't clear the line as fast as we could go all day long, limiting people to one eighth, just so there wasn't a lot of choice. Um, trying pre-packaging, trying to pull every every trick out of the hat. People were still waiting in line for three hours in January in Colorado is is not a nice time to stand outside for three hours. So it was literally just dealing with the volume of people. We were already set up to to sell cannabis and help people make those choices. We were not set up to to deal with crowds like that, though, and and that persisted through March. Well, Tim, and you're one of the most successful Colorado companies, hands down. And it sounds like that those original growing pains of figuring out how to manage customer flow helped you fine tune your customer experience. Can you talk a little bit about about why people love coming into your dispensaries and why it works for them? Sure, absolutely. So I. I put a lot of effort into that and it's not just me. It's a, it's a team effort across the board. So at, at this point in the market, several years into recreational, it, it has been harder and harder to, to differentiate the companies. And in an unfortunate way, it's, it, it is a lot like how alcohol is sold where you walk into a liquor store and they all carry the same products that are essentially at the same price points. They're, there, there, there's not a lot of way to to stand out amongst a fairly a fairly crowded field, and so what we looked at is is just customer service. We're so heavily focused on that. It's it's my goal that every customer that comes in um, become a customer for life. That they have all of their questions answered. That they feel like they're valued. That they're getting a hear that is that America cheering or a sausage patty. 
sizzling to perfection. It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just two bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Consistently high-quality product that's worth the price that they're paying for it. And putting our effort into customer service has has really has really returned the favor back to us in the sense that there is a lot of customer loyalty to Colorado Harvest Company, and so we tried to repay that favor and uh, and became involved in Levitt Pavilion, and I hope we have some time to talk about that as well. Absolutely, and we'll talk about philanthropy and all those things um, now. On as far as your day to day goes, was there a huge surprise for you? I mean, what's your management style? It, were you were you concerned about all this cash? Were you worried about security? Were you worried about federal oversight or, or possibility of a raid? Or are you kind of just kind of head down? Let's do what we can. Take it day by day. Oh no, I, I I try to be I try to be concerned about the things that I have control over. Um, how the federal government works with cannabis, I feel like is uh, is a little out of my grasp, but managing the cash in the stores is absolutely within my control. So um, very unfortunately, we lost our ability to process credit cards in that same January 2014 when you sign up for card merchant services. They ask you to to anticipate what you think your daily sales might be, and then that's extrapolated to monthly and yearly. And in 2014, we blew through all of our yearly sales in less than one month, which got our account flagged and we lost our ability to do that, which in turn closed our bank account. So we did have a lot of cash on hand and no bank account to put it into. And the only answer to that was to hire security guards to sit in front of safes at night, which is a terrible place to find yourself. It sounds like a like an exciting reality TV show, but in, in practice, it's a, it's a nerve wracking nightmare to try to make payroll in cash and pay vendors and pay, you know, just the, the operating expenses for a business at some level. I think you could pull it off. Like you and I could probably start a lawn mowing business and run it all in cash, but you reach a, a tipping point where you just physically can't get enough money orders and, and banks aren't dealing with you. And, Thankfully, some uh, some entrepreneurs have stepped up in that space, and there are a handful of banks now that work with cannabis companies, and we're able to to do direct deposits again, and 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 be a business with a bank account that can write checks. But unfortunately, we've never been able to process credit cards again, which is really unfortunate because uh, most people do carry plastic around and. And I'm, I'm sure you feel the same way. The money in your bank account is your money and you should be able to access it with your debit card and buy whatever you want in the United States of America. And the fact that some of these larger corporations limit your purchasing power with your money based on uh, what, however they're going to justify it is still crazy to me. But that that is another hurdle to be overcome, which is which is allowing allowing cannabis companies to to process process credit cards. Okay, and one of the reasons why 
I think you're successful, Tim, is, is you grow natural cannabis and your attention to detail and your management of, um, of the cultivation center. I mean, you've got integrated pest management. You don't, you don't, you're not overzealous with the use of pesticides. I know you have three locations. You're, you're probably a candidate to expand across the country. We can get into that, but how do you keep everything so clean and how do you classify and articulate to your customers that what natural cannabis is? Sure. Un- unfortunately, we've, uh, we've had to go through this, this process. I think a lot of it deals with, um, with the state and the, the testing facilities and how these things are, are regulated and licensed and put in place. There, of course, um, public safety and, and public perception of how cannabis is grown is critical to any consumer product. We need to be putting safe products out on the market. And the, the irony of the entire situation for, for those that don't know is that it's the Environmental Protection Agency that writes the verbiage on the back of all pesticide jars and it says it's a violation of federal law to use it inconsistent with the labeling. And then they tell you what, what, what you're able to do with that product. And of course, cannabis isn't listed on, on any federally approved pesticide. And so... Um, so moving forward with that with that idea, it's Department of Agriculture that enforces the application of those products. So prior to any direction by Department of Agriculture, we only used OMRI certified products, and OMRI is the body that certifies organic food production and products that can be used on organic food and still called organic. And none of the OMRI certified products made the approved list at the end of the negotiations with Department of Agriculture. And so we had to change our entire pest control technique. That meant was tightening everything up and really controlling access into the grows to prevent any kind of cross-contamination because prevention is much less expensive than dealing with a pest outbreak. But I, I don't know if people really understand that all cannabis production in Colorado is more organic than organic food production, and I'm always struggling to find a new word because pesticide is not the right word. If you showed the approved list of pesticides for cannabis to an Iowa corn farmer, I'm talking about things like mint and thyme and concentrated cayenne pepper and some essential plant oils. When I say pesticide, I don't, I don't mean the same thing that large-scale agricultural producers are talking about. Our tool belt is really limited, and and it is it is critical to not catch anything. So we try to get that word out there about the challenges we face in production, the ways that we're that we're trying to solve that with consumer safety in mind. And um, let the public know how how difficult this task is with the tools that we've been given, and so that's why I've, I'm working with the Department of Agriculture to try to develop best practices for the industry. Because if you were a corn farmer and you had a pest outbreak, they would be the first people that you would call. If you're a cannabis farmer and have a pest outbreak, Department of Agriculture is is uh, almost almost not worth your time They're they're at this point wouldn't provide you any insight in, in how to deal with that. So that should not be the case. If cannabis is legal and department of agriculture is, is regulating it as regulating the pest control methods, then they should also be able to help with the best practices. 
I'm, I'm, I applaud them, and I'm happy for Colorado that, that the Colorado Department of Agriculture brought you on to the private advisory committee. How is that working with them? Are you making headway? Are they listening? Are, are you guys making progress? I'm, I'm really disappointed to report that the, the woman who is heading the, the entire project up um, was transferred, and so it's sort of in limbo right now. Yes, we made, we made a lot of progress to the point where I thought, within the next next couple months the Department of Agriculture would be able to put out um, some literature about it, would be able to update best practices on their website, would really be able to move full forward with it and then and then now we're sort of waiting to see if if the program gets some some new life breathed into it with another Department of Agriculture employee who's gonna take the take that work and and, and really distribute it. So I'm disappointed that a lot of work went into it and it really hasn't hasn't provided any good for the public but I think it's it's positive that Department of Agriculture is open to the idea and wants to develop that literature but it it is just in limbo right now. We need to take a quick break but when we come back we'll be rejoined by Tim Cullen, CEO of Colorado Harvest Company. During the break check out their website coloradoharvestcompany.com. As a quick reference, guys, they've got search test results on there, so you can enter a batch number or a strain name if you want to. If you want to look on their website, very, very impressive. Don't go away; we'll be right back. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more blunt business. Oh, lady marijuana llama, tell you something now. Bought a game for your phone, gonna make you say wow. The game's about the game of growing cannabis for cash. Grow the seeds, sell the bud, put the savings in the stash. Little by little, your empire grows large. Put the big celebrities inside your entourage. You can choose to play with Snoop or me or Chichin Chong. Cypress Hill, Willie Nelson, Wiz Khalifa with a bong. The name of the game is Himping, that's the point. Download and play while you light yourself a joint. The business of cannabis should be no crime. Hemp Inc. is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana Llama out. Got to tend to me on crops, you know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc. Running a successful cannabis business isn't easy. Successful businesses need to have strong people to achieve long-term results. At Live Advisors, we believe people are the heart of business, and training people can help you infinitely grow your business. Learn more about our offerings at liveadvisors.com. Hi, I'm Montel Williams. Most of you know me as a talk show host, but I'm also an author, actor, single father of four, avid snowboarder, and I'm also a medical marijuana patient. Living with multiple sclerosis, I'm in pain every day. Medical marijuana is my last resort, and it helps me when all other drugs have failed. If you'd like more information about medical marijuana, you can contact the Marijuana Policy Project at mpp.org or call 1-877-JOIN-MPP. I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Blunt Business on Cannabis Radio. I'm your host, Sean Eubanks, Vice President of Strainwise Consulting, and we've been talking to Tim Cullen, CEO of Colorado Harvest Company. Welcome back, Tim. Thank you. Okay, so you are a philanthropist. You've done something incredible for the city of Denver. Denver Levitt Pavilion. Um, you contributed over $100,000, uh, and you were, the, you were the biggest benefactor of that. Talk about that. So this all started a few years ago in, uh, in 2014. Um, we were approached by Levitt Pavilion, and so, so a little background on them. Levitt Pavilion is a, 
Family Foundation out of New York. There are six Levitt Pavilions around the country, and Denver just received the seventh Levitt Pavilion. And their mission is uh, is that of a nonprofit organization to bring art to the community, and that art mostly takes the form of music. And so Levitt Pavilion looks for underutilized public areas, and the one they identified in Denver is um, called Ruby Hill Park, and a lot of people know Ruby Hill from um, the, it's a big sledding hill, and the city of Denver puts a snow-blowing machine on it and makes snow, and kids go up there in the winter and, and sled down on it, but it's right off of Santa Fe and Evans, just a little west of the Overland Golf Course right there. And it is the third largest park in the Denver park system. And, and we have um, a couple buildings surrounding there. And so I'm in that area all the time. And I frequently take my lunch up there and eat lunch. And I could be the only person in this hundred acre park with just the best view of Denver and the South Platte river and looking out at the whole front range. And so I was, I was absolutely thrilled that someone wanted to wanted to flip the on switch there and Levitt Pavilion said this is this is a place we could really do this and so they were looking for capital contributions to get the construction project going and we thought what a fantastic way to be able to give back to the community and at the same time that played into Denver's outdoor advertising ban which is also something Colorado Harvest Company supported and that was really related to just the public perception of legal cannabis. And it was really getting trashy out there. There were people dressed up spinning signs in the streets and walking around in, in, in big pot leaf costumes. And there, I mean, as someone in the industry, I, I, I don't, I don't flinch at a joint or a pot leaf, but I would hate to explain that to my five-year-old son as we pulled into our neighborhood. And I know that neighbors felt that way also. So the city of Denver decided to move forward with an outdoor advertising ban and not allow any of that, but there is a loophole in there. And that loophole is that the sponsorship of nonprofit events is in fact that it is a sponsorship. And so um, by partnering up with Levitt Pavilion, that allowed us to sponsor a really fantastic community organization in a way that allowed us to be able to to display our name inside of inside of a Denver City Park. And so, we had no intentions of being the largest capital contributor. I really thought some larger companies like Coors or Pepsi or Coke would step in and uh and take that spot but we didn't find out until just earlier this year that in fact we were the largest capital contributor to levitt pavilion in 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 colorado and so um so colorado harvest company and open vapor headline sponsors of the levitt pavilion project and uh they kicked off a couple of weeks ago friday night is the 311 show is is probably one of the largest events they have booked there but in reality, they will this concert season put on 33 free concerts. There are six ticketed ticketed events that fund the other the other concerts. But in a typical year, starting next summer, there will be 50 free concerts at Levitt Pavilion, and you can just walk on over, put your put your blanket on the grass, and watch an amazing show. So for size comparison, Red Rocks holds about 9,500 people. Levitt Pavilion will hold 7,500 people. So it really is a an incredible gift to the to the city of Colorado and or city of Denver and the state of Colorado and in that sense that that you 
you can just walk over and see a great band and it starts pretty early so it ends pretty early because it is in a neighborhood and so far it's been really well received and really well attended and we're really proud to be a part of the whole thing well the pavilion's lucky to have you tim i I think it's an outstanding way to reach out to the community Uh, just like with your family your neighbors all those concerns we we have a chance to consult all over the country and one of the first things i tell my clients is listen you're an advocate in this industry whether you want to be or not you're the face of cannabis in your community and how are you going to act? What's your community outreach and what's what's going to happen? And I love the fact that you're in that spot. You obviously deserve the exposure. Uh, the contribution was uh, an altruistic one. You Your heart was in the right place. And, then, and it's great that Colorado Harvest Company has a little bit of a return on that. Let me ask you this, Tim, as a philanthropist. Um, the state of Colorado generated $200 million in license, in revenue, uh, taxes, fees, all, all accounted last year, where would you like to see those funds allocated um, to to further advance Colorado, its citizens, and, and all of the businesses here? Well, I, I think in a roundabout way, it, it is all working out. When you look at, I mean, I, I heard a report on NPR just last week, Colorado is in uncharted territory at, at two percent unemployment rate the best in the country and has never been as good as it is right now in colorado the economy is just absolutely booming here and is evident by the number of people that move here monthly is just staggering the the number of cranes on the horizon when you drive by denver is more than i've ever seen and i grew up here it's it really is a thriving place and i think marijuana is is playing into that those the tax revenue is being diverted to construction of of public schools there there is money going out to the community i was really proud that the city of aurora decided to use the tax revenue collected from can sales to build more homeless shelters and really try to solve some of those difficult to tackle social issues i think um I think the sky is, is really the limit for it and, and that that money should be spent on ways that make, make the, the state of Colorado just a, a better place to raise your family and have a life and, and also a shining example of how American ideals like freedom, of, freedom to put what you want in your body and be able to obtain, obtain it legally should, should happen and taxes can be collected and employees and owners can be vetted and the system can be picked up and, and transposed on any state in the country or really any country in the world and have a successful outcome like Colorado has seen. It's, it's not a fluke. It's been a lot of hard work by a lot of individuals that have made this program really successful. And I, the genie is out of the bottle. You're just watching cannabis, cannabis expand across the country at a rate that makes me think it's really pretty unstoppable. I think it's here to stay. I'm just waiting for the federal government to catch up on what the people of the country want, which is clearly access to cannabis and legalization. Tim, what advice do you have for other state agencies who are going to be tasked with forming and managing the inevitable cannabis program? I mean, you've been, you've got exposure here with the Department of Agriculture. You're a leader in the industry. What advice do you have for those agencies that are just getting started? Sure. I think there's a lot of them and there's a lot of them that are um, being proactive about it because 
as you know, cannabis legalization is not a not a top down initiative. This is this is coming from petitions from people that are getting it on the ballot that are amending their constitutions. This is um, this is something that that uh, that all officials can see coming down the road. So I just took um, a, a small town police department from a, a state that does not have uh, does not have legalization right now on a tour of our facilities because they're just they just want to know what is what does this look like how are we going to deal with this um i really think they are being proactive about it but my advice to them would be look at this colorado model it does provide a level of a level of security in terms of of vetting who the players are it provides a clear method for collecting taxes and distributing them to places that that cities and states feel that they they need that revenue. It's um, it allows for maybe most important legal access to consumers in a way that is along the lines that they envisioned it when they voted for it. Um, so I guess in short, what I'm saying is it's a program that really works. And that said, it's not perfect. There are things that I think had Colorado not been the first ones out of the gates might have done a little bit differently, but. Um, but I think states should really take a, a good hard look at this model in Colorado and and the aspects of it that are successful, and then make the the changes that need to be made so that it works it works where they are and conforms to what the people are really voting for. Okay, so you're a leader in craft cannabis in Colorado. What's your vision for Colorado Harvest Company? If we were federally federally legal, would do you have plans for expansion in other states, and and what's your vision going forward? Oh, we wrestle with that all the time. I really enjoy where we are situated in the market right now, which I would I would say is is sort of a medium sized fish in the pond. Still today, most uh, as many as eighty percent of cannabis companies are still mom and pop run. It's it's one retail location and one production facility. A lot of them are under the same roof, um, and then and then the top ten percent of the market would be groups that have, you know, nine, ten, eleven, eighteen stores. But that's that's a small percentage of the market too. And Colorado Harvest Company has been able to situate themselves nicely in the middle as a a small boutique strain that really values the quality and consistency and the customer service side of it. Well, while not representing, a, a, I think what people would call big cannabis or this larger retail model store. So as much as I would love to expand outside of Colorado, I really, I really like what we have going on here, which is in direct conflict with a lot of, a lot of, uh, business philosophy of you have to be growing, you have to be growing. And I really think maybe you don't have to always be growing. What you really have to be doing is doing a really good job at, at what you have right now. And if that opportunity for growth comes, then then I would be excited about it. But I don't think it's it could come organically on a national launch. I think it would have to be a larger company comes in and says, we have it from here, fellas. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks for getting it to this point. And they're going to be able to do something like that. Um, it would be, it's hard for me to envision that we're going to open a, a store in Massachusetts and it's just going to be successful without the huge amount of, of effort and love that it takes to, to get a store launched in Colorado and much less all the way across the country. So I'm open to it, but it's, it's, 
it's beyond my means at this point. But I think if there were federal legalization, I think those opportunities and those doors will open. Well, Tim, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Unfortunately, we're near the end of it. I could visit with you for a couple hours. It's been it's been wonderful listening to your insight, your success story. I congratulate you on everything you're doing with Colorado Harvest Company. Well, thanks so much, Sean. I really appreciate the time, and I, I really appreciate you doing this just to get the message out. I think everyone needs to hear it, and I think the support is there, and uh, freedom is in the air, and it sure smells like it in Colorado. So it's, it's going to keep rolling down the track. So. Thanks so much for all you do as well. And thank you for joining us for this edition of Blunt Business. Please go to coloradoharvestcompany.com. Visit Tim at one of his dispensaries. Two are in Denver. One is in Aurora. Please uh, show some love if you're here in Colorado. Stop by his stores. You won't be disappointed. You can download episodes of our program by going to cannabisradio.com, bluntbusinessradio.com, or subscribing to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and now on iHeartRadio. Have an outstanding rest of your week, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection? It's time to cheer for Egg McMuffin and fresh cracked eggs at McDonald's. It's time to wake up to the aroma of freshly baked biscuits and treat yourself to a real honest-to-goodness morning meal. Breakfast, it's on at McDonald's. Now enjoy a large iced coffee for just 2 bucks and a breakfast sandwich to make a meal. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. The holidays are doubly important this year, so make your celebrations doubly special. At Kroger, we've got a huge selection of high-quality meats on top of fresh, natural produce, like fresh, never-frozen prime-grade beef and our Simple Truth organic Brussels sprouts, or delicious king crab legs with our private selection gourmet potatoes. Had to say that doubly fast. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.